Well, uh, when Pastor Brady had asked me to, to share this morning, um, I, something was really on my heart uh, that I wanted to share with all of you. But if it's okay with you before we do that, let me uh, offer a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, I pray for our pastors, Brady and Trish, that they have a time of much need of rest uh, in your spirit this week and just ask you to provide safe and uneventful travel back home. And this morning, Father, I ask you to take the message that you've laid on my heart. Let these spoken words be faithful to your written word, Father. And Holy Spirit, I just uh, pray that you'll open our hearts and transform lives this morning, starting with mine, and just change us for your glory. And in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, as I was saying, when Brady asked me to, to share this morning, I was thinking about something that is on a lot of people's minds uh, today. It's something that's becoming more prevalent, and it's something that a lot of people fear, and that is uh, fear that someone will, that somehow their credit card numbers or their social security uh, numbers, as we roll off the microphone, didn't realize I was there. <laughs> um, and uh, good thing we didn't need that this morning, Kelly. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and, and so fear of that our personal identities will be taken. And, and I read a statistic just recently, said according to Javelin's identity fraud report in 2017, get this, there were 16.7 million victims of identity fraud. A record high that followed a previous record the year before. Criminals are engaging in complex identity fraud schemes that are leaving record numbers of victims in their wake. The amount stolen hit $16.8 billion last year as 30% of U.S. consumers were notified of a data breach last year. According to the Javelin study, account takeovers tripled in 2017 from 2016. And I was, what I was thinking about and praying about is so many of us. I, I visited a, a relative of mine not too long ago, and uh, he's at that retirement age. And, of course, throughout his working life, he, he worked very hard to, uh, to build up his retirement income. And he has this kind of fear that uh, someone is going to take his identity, you know, that, because you read about it all the time. And it got me to thinking as I was talking with him about, you know, really, you know, what we've got to do is we just have to, to give those things over to God. It got me thinking about a type of identity theft that maybe a lot of us don't think about that I believe is probably even more prevalent than those millions of individuals that are having their personal account numbers stolen, credit card numbers, or social security ID numbers. And it's something that maybe sometimes we don't really think about much. But again, I, I think it's maybe even more prevalent uh, today in, in our church, and it's something that's definitely impacting our church, and that is the theft of our spiritual identities or the erasing of our spiritual identities. See, I, this is something that I believe wholeheartedly, and that is, is that there's a spiritual warfare going on, and that spiritual warfare is Satan uh, is trying to erase our spiritual identities, and he does that in a number of different ways, but his, his goal is to erase our spiritual identities. And I don't know about you all, but um, when I was younger, um, I, I just kind of listened to voices. And, and here's the way that, that, uh, that Satan kind of tries to erase our identities. There, there's several ways that he does it. One of the things is through things that other people say or labels that people place on us. Um, when I was younger, um, my, I was uh, very, very shy. And so a label that was placed on me when I was younger was, um, 
then you may not be able to read my writing, is that I was shy. I was so shy, uh, get this, that my parents tried, they, they actually were going to send me to a specialist, and I was so shy that when uh, my parents took me to a McDonald's, I remember this clearly, I was in about the fifth grade, so this isn't first or second grade or kindergarten, I was about fifth grade, don't know what age that is, uh, but getting ready to go into middle school, and I, we were at a McDonald's, and I, and I asked if I could have an ice cream cone. Well, my dad, thinking this would be a good teaching lesson for me to get out of my shell, said, sure, you can have an ice cream cone. Su- uh, cone. Back then they were only a quarter, so I'm dating myself. Um, and he gave me a quarter and he said, uh, you know, take this, take this up there and you can get an ice cream cone. I was so shy. I was nervous about that 15 or 16 year old behind the counter that I gave up. I, I, I didn't take the opportunity for the ice cream cone because I was willing to forego that ice cream cone so that I wouldn't have to talk to that teenager standing behind the counter. So a label that was put on me, and they didn't mean to, but my parents, you know, if they would talk, if, if they were introducing me to adults, and if I didn't respond the proper way and have that eye contact because I was shy, what would they say? They would say, well, he's just shy. And you know what? I heard that over and over, and that message labeled me, and I labeled myself because I kept hearing that, that I was shy. Then there was a, another label that I had when I was younger, um, and uh, this one was kind of tough for me, I'll admit. And that was, um, I was the fattest kid in my class. <laughs> and I had an older brother that rather than calling me by my name, he called me fat boy. That was, I mean, just, you know, to try and you know, just, just steer me, stir me up because he's a great guy and we are closest of friends now. Um, at best, and, and we were good friends then. But I will admit there were times when he would, you know, call me fat boy, especially if he did it in front of uh, his friends because he was a senior in high school when I was a freshman in high school. So you know, freshmen can be, that can be a challenge already. So I already had the label shy. I was already shy. And when I would get around his friends, he was very athletic. He was the star on all these sports teams, very popular in school. And so I wanted to be known by his friends. And when I would get around him, I was shy enough. And when I would get around him and his friends that I, wanted, that I looked up to and want to be around, he would call me fat boy instead of Steve. And so all of a sudden, what was I doing? I was labeling myself as this, just this fat kid. And that I, that, you know, so I'm shy, I'm fat. These are the labels that I'm dealing with. And then I had another label. Because I was shy, because I was uh, fat um, and at that time, and, and it always is a struggle, um, I also had another label, <laughs> non-athletic. Because, see, it's interesting. I've seen pictures of me when I was a kid, and I tried to play soccer, and these shorts were going past my knees, and I think I was about as round as I was tall, and I was out there trying to find some leg to come out from underneath those long shorts to kick the ball. And I wanted so bad to be like my older brother because he was just so great at athletics. He had that natural gift. You know those athletes that just have that natural gift? I did not have the natural gift. I had to work hard at it. And so because I was heavy already, when I started getting into middle school and I really wanted to play sports, and I didn't have that natural gift like him. He just had that natural gift and ability. Any sport he played, he just excelled at it. I didn't. So the, but I wanted to, to be like him. He, you know, he was kind of my hero. And, and so I, I decided, well, I'm not, I don't have that natural ability, so I'm just going to work harder than everybody else. And so when practice was over, like I played soccer, and when practice was over and other, the other kids would go home, I literally, we had a hill by our field, and I would run up and down this tall hill just over and over, trying to get myself in shape, because I knew that I wasn't naturally as talented as the other kids, obviously because I had a weight problem, I knew that I wasn't as fast as the other kids, so especially in soccer, that's something speed helps you there. I didn't have even some of the balance and coordination of the other kids, so I determined the only thing that I'm going to do is I just have to 
work the hardest so that no one will out hustle me. And so that's what I did. And, and I just worked so hard to out hustle so that I, could, that I could be a starter and so I could play. But I had to overcome all these labels to be able to do that. And this is what I was, as I was praying about this morning, and, and just individuals that, I, that I've talked to lately, I get the opportunity in the company I'm involved with, I get to do these um, business trainings. I, we have a bunch of uh, independent distributors, they're small business owners, and I get to do trainings with them. And it's something that I've really been realizing that a lot of adults are still dealing with the labels that they were given when they were a kid, just like the labels that I had. And I still deal with being shy, still deal with if it's like a a party or something like that or a gathering, a fellowship, like when we had the pancake fellowship. It's just much more comfortable for me to just go find my table and sit down rather than go in and mingle with everybody else. I still battle with that. Still battle with trying to, you know, keep the weight off. I don't know if anybody else has that problem, but still battle with trying to keep the weight off all the time. I don't have to, you know, I guess I'm still battling with the athletic thing because I got over 50 and it's even harder now to, to, to try and stay athletic. But this is the thing that challenges me. And I've been sharing that with some of the individuals at, at the opportunities when I get to share with individuals in our company, these adults, that as I talk to them and they're sharing with me challenges they're having in their business as an entrepreneur. And I find out that a lot of times it's because they're still listening to the labels that they have. And, it, and it's been making me think a lot lately that, you know, even in our Christian walk, so many times we're letting labels that somebody else put on us to control who we are and keeping us from our true identity in Christ. And, and I know it's about graduation time. And here's what happens at graduation time. Are there any high school seniors in here today? Okay, so here's what, and let's give her a round of applause. We have at least one here representing all the high school seniors. Awesome. So, so here's what happens. I don't know if you guys can go back and remember this. Those, it's been a while. Is you get to, for example, when you get out of middle school and you go to high school and you're freshman high school and it's a kind of overwhelming. And what happens is most kids are looking for the patterns. They're trying to figure out, well, who's popular and what do I have to do to be popular, right? And so that's, that's what kids do. And when we go to college for the first time, we're trying to figure out, you know, what is the, what's the pattern? Who's popular? Who's the in crowd that I need to be able to hang with? And we forget who our true identity is because all we're trying to do is mold ourselves and conform with this crowd. So if you wouldn't mind uh, turning your Bibles to Romans 12. And and you all have heard this verse before, but I just want to share it maybe in a little bit different light. There's just, I'm going to bounce around to some verses here this morning, but there's a couple I wanted to have you turn to. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind do not conform and so what happens so many of us even as adults and especially individuals getting ready to go to college they conform to the pattern maybe they've in their home maybe their parents have have really talked to them about their relationship with Christ they brought them to calling community church they've heard the bible messages They've accepted Christ in their heart and all of a sudden they leave this secure surrounding and they go to college and all of a sudden they're trying to figure out how can they fit in, how can they be popular, how can they conform to that pattern. And I believe that's exactly 
What Satan in the spiritual warfare for our true identity is trying to do to us, he's trying to keep us from conforming to the true identity of our relationship in Christ. And, and, and if he can get young people especially to try and conform to the pattern of the world, then he's won. And that's that spiritual warfare that's happening. And, and here's what Satan does. In addition to having us try to conform to peers, um, it's the culture and in media and the things that we see on TV and the things that we see are popular. And so what happens, especially as young people, we try to conform to the culture and the media, to the pattern of the world. But God is saying transform your minds. And, and so here's what Satan's doing. All the time he's putting messages, even in adults, not just in young people. Things like, you know, you're not worth much. You, you aren't going to be able to accomplish that. Who, who do you think you are? You don't have those skills and gifts and abilities. You, you, you're not important. And these are the kind of messages that Satan puts into our minds. And, and then what happens is we start listening to those messages instead of listening to the messages to, to who we are, our true identity in Christ. And we start letting those messages take over our minds. And I tell people a lot of times in the, in the trainings that I get to do in, a, in our company with these business entrepreneurs, these adult business entrepreneurs, that, that their, their future success and what they achieve and accomplish out of life is going to be between these few inches between their ears. It's their mindset. You know, because your thoughts, your thoughts create your actions and your actions create your results and those results are what your life ends up being. And so, so many times, even as Christians, we may know those kind of things in a business world, but as Christians, I think sometimes we forget that we're in a spiritual warfare, and so many times, Satan's just trying to slip a little thought into our minds. And here's what he does. The best, the number one tool that he has besides culture and the media and labels that we allow other people to put on us is what he does is he gets us repeating those thoughts in our minds. And, and that's why I think a lot of people struggle with like anxiety and things like that because they're listening to those messages instead of remind, rem, remembering who their true identity is. So let, let, let's go back to the, the labels that I had on. Who has the right to label something? The company I work with, we manufacture a lot of products as well as distribution of those products. Who has the, the right to label something? There's really only three entities that have the right to label something. Manufacturers, right? If you manufacture a product, then you have the right to label that product because you manufactured it. Um, also, somebody who owns something. Obviously, if you own something, you can label that product. Or if you've purchased something, you can, then you have the right to, uh, to label that product. So here's a question that especially maybe for young people in here, this could really dramatically help you, especially as you go on to college or if you're getting ready to go into high school. And that is this. Who has the right to label you? Who has the right to label you? If it's based on a manufacturer and a purchaser, an owner, well, obviously that means there's only one person, there's only one who has the right to label us as human beings, but we forget about a lot. And that is the one, our creator, who's our manufacturer, the one who in essence owns us, the one who has purchased us because he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. So that means, since he's in essence our manufacturer, our owner, and our purchaser, that only God has the right 
to label us. But Satan wants us to forget that, and he wants us to think about all these other individuals, and that we allow labels to be put on us for all these different reasons. Let me take you to another verse. If you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. It says this, but you are a chosen people. This is, this is what I believe God wants us to remember, to forget about all those other voices that, that Satan's trying to, to say. But you are a chosen people. This is, again, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people. You might want to, if you highlight or underline, you might want to underline chosen. A royal priesthood. I would underline royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. It says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So a few things that I think maybe we can pull out of these verses here, and I've read these verses before, but as, as I was studying for this morning, some things really pulled out to me that I think are important for us to remember. If we're gonna try to push out those, those labels, those thoughts that Satan tries to put into our minds, so we can remember who, what our true identity is. And the first one, I'm not gonna necessarily go entirely in order because I wanna save, save royal priesthood, but the first one is, you're a chosen people. What does that mean to be chosen? Think about this. We, all of us, we were chosen by God. And what that means that we were chosen by God is that that means that we are accepted. And so a lot of times what we struggle with with those voices that we're always hearing because maybe, maybe we're trying to get in with a popular crowd or maybe some friends that we really wanted to have great relationships, something happened and maybe those friends did something wrong and they hurt us and now we don't feel accepted what we've got to remember is we were chosen by God. That means we are accepted by God. The second thing, skipping past royal priesthood, the holy nation. Now, what does holy mean? Well, in one, for, one of the things that, that I, I read about is, and I hadn't thought about this before, because when I think of holy, I just think, typically I think of like in reverence to God, right? The, like the Holy Bible. But what I was reading in, in um, one of the, the um, commentaries that I read uh, this week was that holy is like set aside. Because, you know, like the Holy Bible, the holy nation, we are a holy people. And what that means uh, when we are a holy nation, that means that we are extremely valuable. Think about it. The Holy Bible, that's, that's extremely valuable, right? And I had never thought about this before until I was reading that commentary that when God says that we're a holy nation, that what he's talking about is we're extremely valuable. Now, why are we extremely valuable? Well, we're extremely valuable because of our creator, because he has chosen us, right? And so it's back to who has the right to put a label on you. The only, people, the only individual that has the right to put a label on you is the manufacturer, the person who owns you, the, the person who has purchased you. And when we know that God chose us, that means that we are extremely valuable. And so when those thoughts, when Satan's trying to put those thoughts into our minds, a lot of times we're forgetting that we are, when we accept Christ into our hearts, we are his holy child. We are his holy nation. 
We are extremely valuable to him. And so when those thoughts are coming to our minds that maybe we can't, maybe we can't be successful, or maybe we're not worth, or maybe mistakes that we've, that we've done in the past, we're letting those thoughts that Satan's planting into our, eyes, into our minds to even cause us to even label ourselves in ways that are different from our true identity. And God is saying, hey, you are extremely valuable to me. I chose you. Another thing to, to point out here is it says that uh, we are a people belonging to God. And, when I, and it, when I was reading that this week, it really stuck out to me. I've read these verses before, but when you think about it, we belong to the almighty creator. He's our father. He chose us. You know, I love the songs that the worship team was, was sharing this morning, Abba, Father. And, and he's our father, and he chose us. And that makes us extremely valuable. It makes us accepted. And here's the other thing. If you skip down, it says, once you were not a people, in verse 10, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What's he referring to there when he says you have received mercy? Well, that mercy that we've received is forgiveness. So we're also forgiven. And a lot of times, I think, especially as adults, sometimes we think about, again, this is Satan planting thoughts in our minds, something we did in the past that, you know, we think, man, that, just, how could God ever forgive that? How could God use me because of that sin or that mistake of the past? And, and we think about those thoughts and we allow those thoughts to keep us from our true identity because we forget that we're totally forgiven in God. It's because of his mercies, because of what Jesus did on the cross, that we're totally forgiven. And it doesn't matter how big the sin, it doesn't matter how big the mistake, we are totally forgiven because of what Christ did. And here's another thing that, that I think about, and that is a lot of times people get focused on these mistakes that we've made in the past, and then we're ashamed of those mistakes of the past and we become ashamed. And this is something also that I was, I was reading this weekend that I, I really hadn't thought about before this week. And that is that God is never ashamed of us. When we feel ashamed about something we've done, where did that come from? That comes from, again, that spiritual warfare where Satan is planting that thought into our mind, causing us to feel ashamed so that we won't fall into our true identity, so that we won't fulfill the purpose that God has for us. And so he's using that shame that we're putting on ourselves to keep us from being able to take on that true identity that Christ really desires for us. But here's the thing, and I really hadn't thought about it till this week, I have to admit to you. I never thought about it that when we feel shame, that's only Satan. That's Satan putting, dropping those thoughts into our mind because God is never ashamed of us. And I, I have to admit, I got kind of excited thinking about that and reading about this, that it doesn't matter what I've done in the past and all the mistakes that I've made. It doesn't matter how big the sin has. And some of you may be having some of the same thoughts that I was thinking through this week when I was, when I was studying this, that God doesn't care what mistakes we are forgiven through Christ. If we ask him for forgiveness 
He forgets about it. He, he's not the kind of God that some people think of where you make a mistake and he's holding on to that to be able to bring that up at a later time, right? And what he does is, and that's what we do as human beings, right? Unfortunately, somebody does something against us and we kind of plant that seed that, so that, and we kind of file that away. So if we ever need to bring that up again, we'll have that to pull out of the fire, file drawer, right? Against that person, maybe even sometimes our loved one or spouse. Okay, I'll I'll try, honey, not to do that so often. I'll try to close that file door, okay? And and so here's the thing. God doesn't do that. God doesn't put it away in a file drawer to keep reminding us and nagging about it. If you're keeping being reminded of a mistake or a sin of the past, that is not God. That's Satan trying to keep you from your true identity. Because if you've asked God into your heart and you've asked for forgiveness of that, he forgets about it. And guess what? He wants us to also. Obviously, he doesn't want us to fall in the same pattern, but he wants us to also. And so it's because of his mercy, as it says there in in verse 10, it's because of God's mercy that uh, once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. We now have that forgiveness. And so if maybe for some of you, if what's holding you back from your true identity Maybe the thoughts that Satan's putting in your mind is maybe some mistakes or some sins of the past. I would encourage you to think about that and be reminded this morning that those thoughts, the thoughts of shame or being ashamed, they come from Satan because God is never ashamed of us. You know, it's like as a father, and we've got a lot of parents in the room, you know, sometimes you might be disappointed in something that your children does but you're not ashamed of them. Does that make sense? Because they're your child. And God, even so much more, being the perfect father, that's so true for us. So I wanted to share a couple of other verses with you. And uh, I think that this is really important when we, when we think about our value in God, that we belong to God. And the other thing is, um, in Jeremiah 31, 3, you don't have to turn there, but I'll read this to you. He says, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. So again, that verse is not saying that if we do certain things, like it's a conditional love. See, there's two things about God's love that we need to remember. First of all, God's love is unconditional. I'm trying all the time to remind uh, my two daughters that uh, my Shri and I's love for them is unconditional. No matter what happens, it's unconditional. Well, so much more is our Father's love for us. It's unconditional, but here even more so, and as much as I wish this wasn't the case as a human being, as a parent, his love is different than mine. His love is never failing. Now, I try to make my love for my children never failing, but we know that not only is God's love unconditional, it's never failing. And so he has chosen us to be in his family. He has provided a way for us to be forgiven through his son, Jesus Christ. And now that love is for us that's unconditional and never ending. And see, Satan does not want us to remember that. He does not want us to remember. What does he want us to do? He doesn't want us to think about the love that God has for us. He wants us to think about that kind of a, a police captain, that, that's kind of that, that situation a lot of times people think of as God, that he's just waiting for you to mess up so he can slap you on the wrist. And that's not God at all. What God really desires, he wants all of us to experience our true identity because he wants us to have the fullest, blessed, happiest life we can possibly have in his image, in our true identity in Christ. And so here's, here's what happens a lot of times. Um, I get the privilege of working with the worship team. 
And I think we have an awesome worship team. One of the things I've noticed about our worship team led by Tony is that they they don't keep the spotlight on themselves. They're always just trying to keep the focus on God, which is, I think, the way it should be. And uh, Kelly does an amazing job at the running the audio board. And one of the things that uh, if you've ever worked in that situation, working with an audio board, um, that you'll learn for musicians that's really key and important is the monitors have to be set right for them, Okay. And so, like the, the musicians up here, some of the musicians, they have in-ear monitors. Some of them have, are using the floor wedge monitors. But think about it this way. If you are going to be singing this morning, like David and Alexandra are singing. Now, when David was singing the lead part there, if all he could hear in his monitor was Alexandra's voice, then that monitor wouldn't be helping him too much, right? He wants to hear Alexandra so he knows what she's singing. But if he can't hear himself, then that's going to be a struggle for him. Or if when Greg was playing lead guitar, if all he could hear was David's guitar or the bass guitar, it's going to be hard for him to know if he's really playing the right notes. And so one of the critical things that musicians have to do is they, they will spend, and, and through some of the events that I get to work with with our company, we do national conventions and things like that, um, one of the things is the professional musicians will spend a lot of time making sure that their monitors are just right. And so, you know, I don't know if it happened this morning because I wasn't here when they were rehearsing, but they, you know, David might say, hey, Kelly, can you give me a little bit more of Alexandra in, in my ears because I'm not hearing her yet? Can you give me less of Greg's guitar so I can hear a little bit more of my guitar? Or he might say, you know, I'm not hearing Greg and I need to hear Greg. Can you tune that up? Okay. And so for a musician to have success um, and, and be successful, they've got to get those monitors set. Well, I was thinking about that uh, this week. That's the same way with us is some of us need to tune our monitors. Does that make sense? Some of us need to figure out what we're hearing and get our monitors tuned so that we can accept that true identity that Christ has for us. So if you'll belabor me, I'll give you a quick little example that Kelly's going to help me with this morning. And that is, um, so let's say, just pretend, like for a second here, hypothetically, that I'm the voice of God and I'm trying to speak into you about your true identity. So as I'm speaking to you that, that you are worthy, you are valuable, what happens is Satan starts dropping other voices, other thoughts, other labels into our mind so that it becomes hard to be able to hear the voice of God about our true identity, okay? And so God's trying to say, you are worthy. You are loved. And you hear what's happening here? There's we, We're letting other noise in. This is what happens to us on a daily basis. So now it might be a little bit hard for you to totally understand and pick me out from the, from the music as it's getting louder and overpowering me. And a lot of times what happens is we do that in our own lives and we don't even realize it. And so maybe some of us this morning need to do just like these musicians did this morning when they got prepared when they were rehearsing. And maybe some of us need to tune our monitors a little bit. Maybe it's time for some of us to stop listening to all the voices, our peers, friends, thoughts that Satan plants in our minds. And maybe it's time for us to tune our monitors, so to speak, and remember who we are. Our true identity is in Christ. And and if you go back to 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, you are a chosen people, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And let me just share quickly about royal priesthood. What does a priest do? A priest represents man to God and God to man. And last week, Pastor Brady, he was sharing about how we are supposed to go out representing God. I thought that was an awesome illustration that Pastor Brady had when he had the, the uh, costume for the KC Wolf last week. And he was talking about when he is the KC Wolf that he's trying to be Dan, the, the main guy that is the KC Wolf, that he's just trying to be as much like Dan as possible so that anybody sees that costume thinks it's Dan in there. And he was saying how people will even come up to him and say, you know, oh, Dan, how are you doing? And how's your family? And those kind of things. Well, it's the same way uh, for us God has enabled us to be priests, to share his word, to share his gospel. But so many times we think that we're not capable of that. But God says actually that you are capable. And let me read you a couple of verses here. Because first of all, 1 Peter 2, 9 says, You are royal priests chosen to tell about the wonderful acts of God who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Which means if you are a Christian, a believer, you are a disciple of Christ. You are a priest, a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. That's who God says we are. Acts 26, 18 says, you are to open their eyes. Now, this is talking to the church, and we are the church. We are to open their eyes, the eyes of those who have not accepted Christ. We are to open their eyes, turn them from darkness to the light, and from the power of Satan to God, so that through their faith in me, they will have their sins forgiven and receive their place among God's chosen people. Listen to that, so that through their faith, in me, Jesus talking, they will have their sins forgiven and receive their place among God's chosen people. See, that's what Satan's trying to keep us from being able to do. He doesn't want us to help those people receive their chosen place among God's people. Uh, he doesn't, among God's chosen people. He wants to keep us from even being able to focus on our true identity because if he has us thinking other thoughts and not remembering our position, our true identity in Christ, then that's gonna hinder us from being able to share that with other people. So that's that spiritual warfare that he has going on. Let me share with you another voice real quick. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6, the capacity that we have comes from God. It is he who made us capable of serving the new covenant. And many times we don't feel capable but God has given us everything we need to be able to be those royal priests, to, to be a priest, to share his word. So why is it that we don't feel capable and confident? Why is it that m many of us maybe in the, here this morning wouldn't even see ourselves as a priest per se? Let me tell you why most of us don't feel capable or confident that we would be able to be a priest, a disciple to share with other people. Because most of us are listening to those old tapes in our head that Satan has planted there those old tapes that you're not worthy, those old tapes, that messages that that sin that you created a long time ago, how could God forgive you? So how in the world could you share with someone else because of those sins you created in the past? So that we stop, we forget that we are forgiven. We forget that we're chosen by God. And so the problem is, is we listen to peers, we listen to Satan's messages, that he, the thoughts he plants in our mind. We keep playing those thoughts over and over and we forget our true identity in Christ. And the problem is, is that the only person that we're not listening to most of the time, if we're really honest with ourselves, and this hit me hard this week, is many times the only person that I'm not listening to is the one I should be listening to and that's God and my creator who chose me 
offered me a plan of salvation, has totally forgiven me, but I'm listening to all my peers, I'm listening to the culture, I'm the media, I'm trying to fit in and all those things. And many times I find myself not listening to the only one that I should be listening to because he's the only one that has the right to label me because he's the one who is the manufacturer. He's the one who owns me. He's the one who purchased me with his son shedding his blood on the cross for me. And so many times that's the problem we have is we forget that. So let me share a verse with you that all of you have heard before. And I, I hate to admit it, but so many times I think that we've heard this verse so many times that, that we kind of forget the power in it. Philippians 4.13. What does it say? You probably know it better than I do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did it say I can do some things? No. It says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why is that? Why are we able to do that? Because we are God's chosen people. That's why we're able to do that. So if Christ has made us fully capable of accomplishing the true identity, the purpose that he has for our life, being totally forgiven, being that priest to share his word and spread the gospel with other people, then why is it that we're not properly fulfilling our roles as royal priests? Well, let me share a couple things with you. The reason that maybe you aren't so quick to accept other people is because you don't feel accepted. The reason you don't maybe sometimes value other people like we're supposed to as uh, believers in Christ is because maybe you don't feel valuable or valued. The reason maybe we don't love others as Christ has, has called us to love others is maybe because we don't feel loved, because we're listening to those wrong voices, we're not remembering who we are, our identity in Christ. Maybe the reason that it's hard for us to forgive others is because we don't feel forgiven. We forget that, according to Christ, we are totally forgiven. And maybe the reason that you don't feel, maybe others, is that you have the opportunity to influence are capable. Maybe it's your own children is maybe because you don't feel fully capable at times. And you know, studies show that the younger you are, when you start receiving messages, whether it's from parents, peers, teachers that maybe unfortunately shared something like, you know, you, you, you're, you're just, you know, maybe not gonna amount to much. Um, you know, I'm not sure that going to college is for you, whatever, maybe it's a parent who maybe says something they don't mean, intentionally but maybe says you're shy maybe says this is wrong or whatever and when you're the younger that those messages you start hearing those messages the bigger impact studies have shown that it has and the harder it is for you to overcome those messages and so how do you how do you reverse that let's some of some of us maybe in the room here this morning maybe we've had messages wrong labels put on us how, how do we reverse that well we have to remind ourselves on a daily basis of who we are and we have to remind ourselves of that there's only one person that has the right to label us. And it's definitely not Satan. And it's not our peers. It's not even our family. It's not our friends. Many times we allow all those people to label us, to, to plant those thoughts in our minds. But this is the only label that we should be remembering. That I am a chosen child of God. And I was thinking about that this week. God chose me. Why in the world would he choose me? God chose you. And, and what's so unique about Christianity 
versus all these other religions that are out there is Christianity, the reason why it's the one true, is because it's not about performance. It's not about perfection. It's all about grace. It's all about mercy. It's about an almighty creator and a loving God who had this amazing plan to send his only son to die on a cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could live a fulfilled life and fulfill our destiny, our true identity in Christ as a chosen child of the almighty God, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke and planets and stars came into existence, the one that spoke and dust turned into life. The king of kings has chosen us to be his child. So the next time that you start hearing those thoughts, you know, you might even want to put a message like this up on your mirror and remind yourself every morning, I am a chosen child of God. Don't, I need to stop listening to peers. I need to stop listening to other people. I need to stop listening to Satan's messages. And I need to be reminded that I am a chosen child of God, that he has totally forgiven me. He chose me to belong, and that I belong to God. And as a result, that's, that's the true identity, not those thoughts that Satan tries to plant in our minds. That's our true identity. Let's pray together. And before we pray, let me, let me just mention this. When Satan comes to you and he says, you must earn God's acceptance, say to Satan, that's a lie. I am completely accepted in Christ. When Satan comes and he says, you don't matter, you aren't important, you're worthless, say, that's a lie. I am extremely valuable because I belong to God. The king of kings is my father. When Satan comes to you and says nobody would love you, if they really knew what you are like and what you've done, say that's a lie. I am eternally loved and I am loved unconditionally. When Satan comes and says, you know that sin you committed? You could never be forgiven for that. You should be ashamed of that. You say that's a lie. I am totally forgiven. And when Satan comes and says, you can't do anything right, you're incompetent, you'll never do anything significant with your life, you say, that's a lie. I'm fully capable because I can do anything through Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you can heal broken hearts. I thank you that you can heal bitter memories. You can heal damaged self-esteem. You can restore stolen identities. Thank you. The patterns can be erased. Curses can be reversed. Thank you that you turn, Father, nobodies into somebodies in your love. And I ask that you help us to begin to see ourselves through your eyes of love, our true identity, Father. Help us to realize that our sin is not our identity, our mistakes are not our identity, our faults, faults and our failures are not our true identity. 
And as we keep our heads bowed, if there are individuals here that say, I'm not sure about my true identity because I don't know that I've ever asked Christ to come into my heart. Well, today can be the day. And maybe there are those who you've asked Christ in your heart, but if you really met your monitors are allowing too many messages you shouldn't be listening to to take control instead of listening to the only one that we should be listening to. Instead of looking at, you know, accepting your label as a chosen child of God. I just ask us all to, to pray this prayer together. And you can even say it out loud if you don't mind. Dear God, help me to see myself the way you see me. Thank you for loving me completely. For giving me totally. For valuing me. Accepting me. Making me capable. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus Christ to die for me so I could be forgiven. And I could know how much I matter to you. Jesus, today, I accept your love and your forgiveness. I want to learn to trust you and follow you. Help me to care more about what you think about me, Father, than what other people think of me. May the truth set me free and restore my true identity in you, Father. And I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, so that I can fulfill that true identity in you. Thank you, Father. I ask these things in your Son's precious and holy name, the one who gave his life for me. Amen.